Hey everybody, so before we jump into today's podcast, I just wanted to A, thank you guys, give you a little bit of a reminder. If you enjoy this content, however you're watching it, consuming it, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever you gotta do, comment on it. If you can, leave us a review. It really helps us out and it can help grow our platform and reach more people. And if you know someone that can benefit from this, please share it with them. If you have a question, if you wanna reach out to us, let us know. And then lastly, we have all of our amazing programs, courses, and coaching available in the resources below. So check that out. Definitely take advantage of it. We have everything from free options all the way up to paid programs and everything in between to fit pretty much anyone's budget. And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you guys. Let's get on into the episode. And yeah, Chuck joining in on the fun. Welcome, welcome, Chuck. What's up, Mike? How you doing? So I was just reading through our metrics. I was going through like... Um, you know, week one to week two, kind of going over my little data trends here because this week, Chuck, I was actually more focused on gaining weight, which is ironic. Not ironic, but like very much like we talked about, you saw from my week one numbers. Like, cool. Yeah, right? <laughs> You're like, what are you doing? Gaining weight? Huh? More of the, the lean mass side of things. So trying to particularly focus on working in those workouts because even from week one, I only did two resistance training workouts and then the rest of the week was like, walking, a little bit of cardio on the echo bike. But, and I, even as I read to everybody, you know, I went from a 21.1%, uh, which was high, right? Like that's like, you know, kind of already high for me in general to about 19.6. So that was like a 1.5% loss in one week. That's not like an accurate number. Yeah, right? that's a huge, that's, that's, that's ridiculous to accomplish within a week. So a week and a half or whatever your goals are. And people have to understand how difficult it is to lose 1% of body fat. It, it, it takes a while. It should take on average a month to a month and a half to lose 1% body fat. You gotta do it over time. And it's, you know, I was kind of thrown off by your numbers um, the other day. I was like, wow, he, that was a significant loss within a short period of time. Yeah, and Carl's, Carl's, Carl's numbers were yeah. kind of wacky too. Car, Carl's actually, he went from, hold on, you want me to, let's pull up. Carl, I'm going to put three under the bus, but it's all good, right? Like, um, so, and this is the, the reason I share these things is to share with you guys. If you see a drastic fluctuation from week one to week two, especially the first time your body goes through it, like this is the first time I'm doing the cleanse in probably three, five months actually. So I always find I get a little bit more sensitive to doing it, you know, unless I do like every quarter. So Carl started at about, um 19.2 percent at 22 221 pounds like carl's six foot you know six foot six so he's a big guy um so he's like naturally already kind of lean lean muscle tissue or muscle mass 169.6 so we'll see from 19.2 percent to 17.7 percent um so that's one point again five you know basically right around that same percentage drop but however he also lost three pounds of muscle mass going from 169 to 166 and i lost somewhere in, in that range as well so when i look at my muscle yeah here's the here's the money number the key number so from january 17 2021 147.6 to the 24th which was 144.8 so that's 2.8 pounds and that was again i only worked out twice on that that weight training league so i think it's 
water coming out, some glycogen coming out, as well as just not, and this is Chuck, I was curious, I was talking about, you know, we don't have the same mass from eating food inside our GI system, so I think that also can impact the number on a completely empty stomach versus like having maybe more animal protein and meats and things like that. Yeah, true, but also I'm curious to find out like what your guy, what changed up with your workouts, because when I've done the, the, the cleanse, you know, I, my my lean muscle mass goes up, <clears throat> but I you stick freak? to, yeah, I know, I'm a freak. but I stick to a very heavy uh, regime when I'm doing my workouts. You know, I, I don't change anything uh, other than the fact that, you know, I may not do as many competition roles with jujitsu because, you know, I'm very tired, uh, you know, I'm kind of fatigued, uh, but I still will go to jujitsu three times during you know the first week i i changed absolutely nothing i still change train jujitsu three days a week and lift three days a week and on my lifting days i tend to go on the heavy side so you know you know me I, i'm an old school meathead so i always lift go everything the, lift everything <laughs> so I, I always and i i never change when i'm on the on the challenge when i'm doing the cleanse i never adjust my weights i never drop my weights down so uh the last time I think I increased my lean muscle mass by about two pounds, two or three pounds. Um, yeah, it's just uh, your numbers. Which that is even kind of crazy too. Like if you, if from my perspective, so going to your point, I agree. I always recommend to people, it's about like 0.1 to 0.25 percentage body fat change on a weekly basis is like a nice, healthy, consistent, sustainable range to shoot for. So when you do that at the end of the month, it's about maybe 0.5 to 1% change on a consistent basis. And then going back to muscle mass, I think again, like for the most part, I undershoot people to set lower expectations. So then if it does come up higher, great. But even like 0.25 to 0.5 muscle mass gained in like a week basis is like on the higher end of the spectrum yeah. today. It's very, again, it's very hard to pack on lean muscle mass. And it's very hard if you're doing it the right way to lose body fat percentages. You gotta do it over time. And these numbers are, you know, especially yours and Carl's numbers are, are they're throwing me off a little bit because there's such a gross fluctuation in those numbers from that, you know, what, week to week of just that first week. I'm very curious to find out if you guys stay consistent with, with the lifting program. Well, I that's, don't think, I don't think yeah. you did. No, no, and like the numbers, <laughs> they, they tell you everything, but that's why I wanted to share those numbers so that everyone can kind of have a, a transparent reference point of, you know, Carl and I pulled up, Carl didn't do any weight training at all because he ended up again. No, no, like he did nothing. He just went into walks. Tell Carl, I'm, I'm, I'm just completely disappointed in him. I, yeah, I so is his muscles, I'll be honest. <laughs> so, but that's okay in the sense of, saw some data points and clearly had those expectations. Now I say that to say not like, you know, shame on Carl or shame on me, which is like, hey, just being transparent, that's what happened. Also to set expectations, like, hey, if you guys are seeing that too, to Chuck's point, it doesn't mean that you can't do this and maintain muscle and grow muscle and all those things. It just means that you have to obviously keep up, even myself, I only did two days of weight training and they were the easier days of shoulders and arms. When I say both, those are not like easy. None of the days, like they're all fun and good, but like it's not large muscle groups like legs or back to recruit as much muscle fiber and yeah, tissue as possible. Yeah, so that that to me leaves it at an easier level for again, partial glyco glycogen depletion and not putting it back into the tissue, um, as well as again, pulling some fluid out, 
and potentially some, some actual loss, structural loss. But I'll be honest, I have a hard time because I was eating so much that I think it was a actual lean tissue loss, more so with potential impact on how the scanner is getting a reading. But I say all that to say it doesn't matter how 100% accurate it is. It matters as a reference point. So just to show you guys, even bouncing back. Just to touch point on that real quick too, Mike, you, you could have been like super hydrated as well. And the, that scanner yeah. that you're using after drinking so much water that first week, that scanner may have picked up better results from being super hydrated from when you did the initial one where you could not have been as hydrated as much. The more you drink, the more you hydrate, the better the results are gonna be picked up from that scanner. That's actually a great point that I didn't talk about, but I I mentioned earlier before we jumped on, like my water percentage just jump up. Like I went from 57% up to 58.1% in week one. So like, I think yeah. that's another contribute. And now even, cause like, again, when you're not eating as much, you're trying to put something in your body to give your body a cue of, hey, we're full. So water and fluids became more of a go-to. And I even noticed that in week one, I'm drinking half my body water weight, but it was a lot easier um, week one versus week two. Now in week right. two, like I'm doing it, but I have to be more mindful because I have food coming yeah. in and other things to hold that place. So that's, I think, to your point, another variable. So the reason we say this is just to give you guys an idea, like don't worry about even week one to week two, but like the bigger picture from week one to week four. And that's why this week in week two, looking at, I ate more calories. I wanted to get my workouts back in, make sure my recovery was on point. Doesn't mean I'm eating crap. Doesn't mean I'm going off the plan. I'm still adhering to the plan. But again, I still had my lower body fat percentage at 20.1. So I lost still one whole percent in two weeks, which is about a half a percent a week, which is a good number. And then muscle mass came back up to 146.4. So I'm, I'm basically a pound off of where I started. But after week one, I've already gained two pounds back or a pound and a half, like 1.6 pounds back. So that was my focus for week one, even in week two and week, th week three and week four and beyond is keeping the weight training routine, keeping the good nutritional habits and my weights, body fat percent rise, I think is gonna just trend in a downward Kind of yeah. trajectory. And that's the thing, I, I can't stand, and it frustrates me to no end when somebody gets getting on the scale every two to three days to check their weight. Drives me nuts. Because you're not gonna see those results all the time. And especially when you're doing something like this, you got, the first week is gonna have such a major impact on your body, you may see great weight loss that first week. But then the second week you reintroduce those proteins back in your system, things start to level off. But then if you're you're integrating in weight training in there, you have to understand you're converting that that fat into muscle and that scale may trend up. But if you're if you're paying attention, if you're looking at the right metrics, as your scale trends up, your body fat and your your body fat percentage is going to go down and your lean muscle mass will go up as well. And that's ultimately what we want to see in a body. We want to see body as much body fat percentage come off. That's what we're what we're looking at. You know, I understand a lot of people have a number in their mind as to what they want to get to, but also you got to remember, like that number, every time I go in for a physical, and again, I'm a mutant, every time I go in, my doctor looks at me and he says, you're overweight. And the numbers show that you're obese. BMI. For your, for your age, for your height, your numbers are showing that you're obese. Right now, I'm 221 pounds. 45 years old, I'm five foot nine, I'm 221 pounds. But you know, you go in for your physical and your doctor never looks at your body fat percentage, okay? He's not gonna go in there. You can go for a regular doctor for a regular physical, you're like, okay, blah, 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 see you later, you're overweight, go do this, okay, bye. You know, 
<clears throat> so he's not looking at that. So the number that you have in your mind may not be your correct number. I mean, I get it. Everybody wants to see a low number on the scale, but ultimately we should be looking at lowering our body fat percentage and increasing our lean muscle mass. Those are the two indicators that we really should be mindful of. Yeah, and I, I 100% to that point. That's like what I spend most of my time. Honestly, like anyone that watches this, that's actually a client of that works with me specifically. And like you'll even talking to Chuck and like the rest of our team is being mindful, setting those expectations early. Where we're saying, hey, the scale is one data point. And I encourage everyone I work with, I don't, it's not a requirement, but I highly encourage everyone to invest in, even if it's like a fit index scale, you know, we can put a link below. Like it's on Amazon, fit index, $25. Like it's not the best. But the whole point is to give you that, again, metric and reference point so that you can actually see not just how your weight is responding, but your lean muscle. Like just what I, I literally what I was just able to do to share with you, Chuck, being able to look at that point and saying, hey, okay, I can be really happy about weight down, but what, I, what does everything else do? Because there's a long-term negative side effect if you're constantly losing weight and your muscle mass is going down with it. There's, you're, paying a, you're paying a price basically that we don't want to, we want to try and that's why I wanted to be so passionate about this week, nipping it in the bud, having some more calories, making sure my weight training routine is back in there so that I don't end up losing the muscle mass that I've been working so hard for that helps my body burn calories and stay lean and stay healthy and all those things. So that's like, I think that's a really important piece to highlight from, cause that, like this is actually leads a perfect segue into what I actually wanted to talk about for a podcast topic. You guys just got some bonus stuff right there that, that I was you know doing for week bonus two. Features. Yeah, Chuck, jumping in for the fun of everybody kind of like for week two, that one was a little bit of a longer like recap and looking at trends and whatnot. But um, now I wanted to actually we'll kind of segue this nicely into being able to basically look at the fitness. This is what I thought was interesting, Chuck, because like, you even have more of a, a kind of a history reference point when it comes to the fitness trends and where they've gone from oh, yeah. like 80s, 90s early 2000s, 2010s, now into heading into 2020, 2021. Like, like going from the, you know, personal trainer, the fit, the, the gym industry, uh, we're going into the gym to now, I feel like there's this shift. I mean, I'm not the only, there's an obvious shift now with the pandemic, right? Home training, virtual training right. with technology, the nooms of the world, all these other apps of the world, being able to leverage that. So I figured this could be a cool opportunity to just kind of like, Talk about the history of fitness a little bit from you our wanna, You want to go down memory road, Mike? Right? Dude, let's hit it. And this is, again, we'll peel back that curtain, right, and show everybody. Not only, you know, I think it's interesting to from a qualifications, I think people are going to be surprised from how much more, in my opinion, the experience qualifies you more than just, like, you know, what we have on paper. Paper is just one thing, and that's great. It's all cool to have all those, like, certifications and education. But, like, the experience to me is the most valuable thing. And that's why I think most people don't know this about you and what makes it the most valuable part to your coaching and what you bring to the table. Wow, so if you really want me to get in, in depth and go down memory road. Yeah. So my family owned a gym back in, I wanna say in the early 80s, probably in 80 or 81, that's when the gym opened up. <clears throat> it was called the Steel Pier, that was the original gym. And my mom was the manager and the trainer and my uncle owned it. So my mom and my uncle went into business and they started this gym called the Steel Pier and it was a great gym. It was over in Albany Airport and uh, it was a pretty decent powerlifting gym. And back in the 80s, powerlifting, that was the thing, man. Bodybuilding and powerlifting, that was the that was the big thing. That was the big trend in the 80s. You know, coming off of like the pumping iron movies and everybody was, you know, 
Mr. Olympia was huge back then. Mrs. Olympia, the, the, all these bodybuilding competitions and, uh, you know, strongman competitions that were on ESPN all the time. Everybody was going into the gym and powerlifting and bodybuilding. And that's the, that, that's the environment that I grew up in. You know, so every day when I was a kid, um, you know, I started my first gym experience. Uh, my mom brought me to the gym after school one day and I was super bored. I was, I was like 12 years old. So I just did sit-ups for hours, not knowing what I was doing because nobody would let me touch any machines. So I just did sit-ups for hours and I was so sore the next day, I couldn't go to school. And my uncle called me up and he goes, you're never coming to the gym again. I, he, Cause he ruined it. He ruined it for yourself. <clears throat> but that was like my first experience. And then from there at, at 12 years old, uh, you know, he was obviously joking with me. I, can't, I came into the gym, I was lifting, I was doing my thing at 12. Um, they ended up selling that gym and then they, they made another gym called uh, Colony Sports and Fitness Club. And that gym was huge. It was uh, about 12,000 square feet. Uh, we had six tennis ball courts, racquetball courts, an Olympic pool, two basketball courts, uh, Olympic platforms everywhere. This gym was the spot. And that's where ultimately I ended up learning and, and, and becoming, that's where I became a personal trainer. My first time at 16 years old, my mom made me take a personal training course. And I became a personal trainer at 16 and I was the weekend gym manager. So my job was to go in every day. The bus used to drop me off in front of the gym. And my job for from when I was 13 till 16 was to pick up all the weights in the gym. <clears throat> and it was a phenomenal great workout. workout. Yeah, <laughs> great. I remember like every year that um, we would get off for summer vacation, I used to go to the gym with my mom every morning and all day long, I would learn how to fix all the machines and pick up all the weights. And I became jacked every summer from picking up all the weights. And I would go to football camp and I would go into football camp in the fall. And the first thing they did was take me down to the, the nurse's office and give me a steroid test. Cause they like thought I was doing steroids guy. all fucking summer. <laughs> this guy's all summer long, he's just putting in, uh, you know, jacked steroids into his system. But all I was doing was picking up weights. I was weight training, I was picking up weights all day. And then in the afternoon, I got to do my workout. And that's what I did for like three years until I became a personal trainer of my own. And uh, I mean, it was, it was a great experience growing up in that environment. But again, those trends that you saw, I mean, back in the 80s, we used to, there was a lot of guys abusing steroids and doing their thing, coming into the gym. But my mom was so against that and the way she ran her gym, if she found anybody doing that stuff, she would throw them out of the gym. We had, I believe at the time, like, I want to say it was like 800 or 900 members. It was the biggest gym in upstate New York. Yeah, and, yeah. It was, and it was, the gym was huge. and. Yeah, I remember we had members for everything, for racquetball, tennis, weightlifting, gymnastics, basketball. It was, there was a ridiculous amount of members. So she could afford to pick and choose who she wanted in there. So if she found anybody being a jerk and abusing anything, she would just throw them right out of the gym. And that's the way she ran that gym. She, it, was, it, was, it was like the mecca of upstate New York. <clears throat> it was a great gym to grow up in. But then again, the trends in the 80s were different. Bodybuilding, powerlifting. In the 90s, we got into more like Olympic type of lifting. And, and don't get me wrong, uh, bodybuilding and powerlifting were still a very big thing, but Olympic lifting became more popular to us up there in, in upstate in the 90s. Uh, and then you see just the trends that, as they go along. 
you know, in the, in the 2000s, everybody became more, you know, involved in aerobics and hits and all this type of workouts. And, and as the trend keeps getting going now with the pandemic, all these home workouts, all these apps, they're becoming, you know, uh, very popular from, you know, everything from, you know, Center to, to Peloton to our, you know, we're doing pretty well with our app and everything, you know, so all these different, you know, type of apps that people are now getting more involved building home gyms not going into a gym and it's it's heartbreaking to see all these gyms that over time because of the pandemic are just are closing down um you know especially with somebody who grew up in a gym you know these gyms are suffering right now but i get it people don't feel safe going into a gym and rightfully so a lot of gyms that are out there aren't taking the proper precautions to clean some are doing a phenomenal job don't get me wrong some are doing a phenomenal job but others, so much. So I understand people's concern of not wanting to go in there. So that's why people, you and I are guilty of it. We built a home gym, you got yours, I got mine. Um, it doesn't mean I don't support, I, I support my jujitsu school. I know you support World Combat Club. We're still supporting gyms ourselves too. Um, you know, I, I still have people that go into a gym that I write programs for, they're going into their gym. Uh, by all means, if you feel comfortable, go into it. But all of these apps are becoming very, very popular. Uh, and rightfully so. I mean, there's great trainers and there's you know, these, the mirror. Did you see the mirror? Yeah, for sure. And, the and mirror is crazy. And to tonal is not, and so like this is. I'll give a, a, a nice plug to uh, a channel that really has nothing to do with us, but like home gym reviews. That was actually a really big one that I got into. You know, building my own home gym. And after like you were the inspiration. Like I always wanted to do it since we moved into the house. We moved into our new house and. We closed the end of February, like right when things started to kind of transition. So like, all right, it's probably gonna be a while, might as well build out a home gym. And I started looking at home gym, you know, like reviews on YouTube and Googling, doing my research and already knowing what I know and talking to you and other the coaches that we have in our network. And home gym reviews as a YouTube channel kept coming up and they talk about, and then like I noticed their trends and topics they're talking about and, and I couldn't agree more. So I figured we take that as a time to like you said, talk about mirror or tonal or all these other pieces of equipment and there's pros and cons to it, right? Like that's what I think even going back to 80s and 90s and the early 2000s, like I got into my first gym job was at LA Fitness and I wanna say it was 2006. So I was just out of high school. You fancy. Yeah, LA, right? LA like, Fitness, you, you fancy. <laughs> now, what I will say actually backtracking, technically I grew up in Eastern Athletics Club, which is, I don't know how, you know, how wide reaching those are, but like this one was in Farmingdale. So the Eastern Athletic Club in Farmingdale, kind of okay. close to where your house is, Chuck. You know, not putting, no one go to Chuck's house. No one go to where Chuck is. Um, you can come, but yeah, I mean, go, good luck. My wife's not there. <laughs> good luck. Um, so I'm trying to think like where, where UFC Jim Huntington was, if you kind of go, forget it, yeah, it doesn't I, matter. I, I knew where it is. It's another back end by Wellwood. I, I get yeah. it. It's more yeah. of an industrial kind of warehousey type of building. And that's like the gym that I grew up in was a very industrial, and honestly, every gym owner that's out there, those are the best gyms. Yes. The industrial warehouse gyms are the best. <laughs> yes, 100%. So that was like my first exposure. My grandmother was babysitting kids to make money, to make like extra cash on the side, and she would just bring us and my brother when we wouldn't go into school, like if we'd you know, be sick, sick, or like I just didn't want to go to school, like Umi would just bring me and I'd get to hang out in the gym. Like I was not working out. Being tra I was not Chuck. I'll be really transparent with you guys. I was playing racquetball, like I was playing like, I don't know, I, I was the, the young kid just roaming about in the gym, like whose kid is this? Like that was me. 
Um, that was me too. That was twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you were like doing setups and shit, Chuck. You were like working out. I was not doing that. I, I was, was playing racquetball and like just goofing around with my friends. So that's I, I think the, it like the first time. The, like my first benching experience, I, I remember it a hundred percent. I was twelve years old, and I I got on the bench and I lifted the bar off and I flipped off the bench because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And that I was twelve years old and I still remember it to this day. You know, so yeah, whose who's kid is this? <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people were saying it. Yeah, so what I would do is, and what I thought was super cool is the way they had the racquetball set up, there was the second floor that was overseeing the racquetball and they had like a little bar. So you can get like a sandwich station, you get your like green smoothies or whatever. But of course they had a soda gun, like, you know, like, a, like so I would just go get some Coke and then I would get, they had like a little video game section, place my video games and watch all these people sweating and getting gross. Ironically, years later, I would end up being those people but I just thought there was a funny transition. And then, you know, truthfully going to, again, the industrial kind of setting of John uh, Fury, my first like real strength coach at 16, shout out to Acceleration Sports Training and all that. Like they're like the DeFranco style. They're the, you know, like really getting after it and that you have to know somebody to like find it. You know, that, not that they're like closed yeah. to the public, but you, can't, you know what I mean? No, like, like, there's, there's levels to the, to, to the game. I mean, you, you can like, look, at, look at right now, like the trend of the, of, of just health clubs in general. You've got like the Blink Fitnesses and the Planet Fitnesses that you could pay 10, $15 a month and you go in there and you're on Never your own. Yeah, and people, you gotta, you gotta understand. And I look at the metrics of gyms all the time. They're, those gyms thrive on the people that go in there from New Year's and they get such an influx of members that go in there just to say, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna go in there. And then people just forget that it's $10, $15 a month and they never cancel their membership. And those gyms thrive on those people. If those, if those members never signed up, those gyms would never exist, period. So I just wanted to say thank you guys again for watching, listening, consuming that episode. If you guys enjoyed it and you haven't already, please like, uh, please comment. If you haven't reviewed, please leave a review. If you haven't followed or subscribed, please do that as well. Again, it tremendously helps us out. And then just a quick reminder, if you guys want more resources, we have them below. We have our programs, everything from free all the way up to paid and kind of everything in between dial in with the customization and we have more information on different programs and resources in our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up for that, do so below. It's free and that is it y'all. See you on the next one.